This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Welcome into another episode of the Damn Podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network and powered by BeaverBlitz.com. I'm your host, Carter Baines, joined as always by BeaverBlitz.com publisher Angie Machado, who got a little bit more sleep. I mean, we always open these shows talking about sleep, know, but that's I that's know. just where we're at with these night games. Hey, but you know what? I watched the whole game last night. I did we'll not it. fall asleep like I did we'll the week before. I, I was telling Angie before we, before we got started here, uh, of course, we're recapping Oregon State's 24 to 10 win over Washington State Saturday night at Reeser Stadium. That, you know, a 6 p.m. kickoff sounds great and all, but then you do the math, you add the hour and a half it takes to get home from Corvallis, and there you go. You've got a 7:30 kick, a 4 p.m. or a 4 a.m. bedtime, and here we are again. So running on fumes. We're gonna see if I can get through this thing in one piece. If I yawn, if you see me yawning on uh, on YouTube, if you're watching us live, go ahead and call me out in the chat. Uh, we're going to do our best here, but we are recapping Oregon State's big. I, I think it's fair to call this a, a big to huge win for Oregon State to to get over that hump, to snap an eight game losing streak against Washington State, which in my game story last night, I said, hey, you know what? This felt like one of the one of the last, you know, quote unquote, get over the hump, expel some demons type of, uh, you know, type of skids to, to get through. Oregon State snaps an eight-game losing streak to the Cougs with a twenty-four to ten win. Angie, let's you know we're we're gonna go through our our traditional game at a glance. We'll we'll go through the game flow, hit on some of our keys to the game. What what well what didn't? But before we hop in, I mean the defense probably is the story of this game, right? To hold Washington State to ten points and to to really I I feel like thoroughly dominate Washington State on that side of the ball, right? Absolutely. And I want to go back though to what you talked about being a huge win. And it is a huge win. You know, yet both of these teams were four and two coming into this game. And I, I really think I and mean, we heard, you know, people in the media talking about this. This was kind of that multi directional game, I I feel like. So both teams are four and two coming in. One team's gonna come out of the game five and two. That's the Beavs. The other is four and three. There's a big difference between five and two and four and three. Um, as you start looking ahead toward bowl games, potentially um, conference matchups, 
Um, I'm going to stop you right there too. There's a big difference between those two records, but think about the conference records. There's a big difference between two and two and one and four. Yes, And that's what this game determined. Absolutely. I mean, this, this game was monumental and I I think that's getting one and three, one and three, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it's, it's monumental right now um, for the conference race for so many, um, not only that eight game skid um, against the Cougs, um, I mean, you kind of have that mythical Pacific Northwest title kind of in the in the air too. But um, I, I really think that this what's getting kind of glazed over here is just the importance of that win. Now heading into Wash or Colorado, a very very winnable game, and then a bye week before heading up to Washington. So I like the way this sets up. Just as how just like I didn't really like those USC Utah back to back. I thought that was a really hard difficult stretch. Now Oregon State has that Colorado bye to really kind of catch their breath before uh, kind of finishing out that last month of the season. They're not going to take the Buffaloes easily, but I mean, when when the, the opening line is set at 23 and a half points, yeah, I mean, Vegas knows what's up. This is One a of the that, worst run defenses in the country. Right, and, and uh, a, an offense that's still pitiful. But I mean, Vegas knows what's up. This is a game Oregon State should should roll in and... Yeah, PM has we're, a good we're point. looking we're looking at we're looking ahead, but I mean Oregon State has a chance to be bowl eligible by its bye week. I mean, talk about program trajectory. Yeah, Last year it was all about getting to a bowl game. Yeah. I mean, here we are sitting at after seven games and we're talking about the Beavs playing for bowl eligibility, uh, you know, in a a game that should theoretically be somewhat of a layup. Or again, you know, this is we're, we're recapping Washington State, but it's to your point, you know, it, Oregon State put itself in that position by beating the Cougs, and that's why this game is so big. I, I want to point out in the comments, and maybe you can pop it up. PM yeah. says, you know, the games against Fresno, Washington State, and Stanford are all games that this team in the past would have lost. Yeah. Um, this is this is that next step in the progression of, of the team kind of b- building the program. Is First they go from losing everything to starting to win it, you know, have some close games at home winning those games at home, having close games on the road to now pulling out those close games on the road and at home. So um, yeah, this is a team that definitely is building uh, the foundation and um, they've, they've eked out some, I mean, that Stanford game, I know we're talking Washington state again, but that Stanford game in the last seconds or the Fresno state game, easily two amazing victories this year too. That home road thing. I mean, this is kind of a a question that I'm, I'm curious to ask Jonathan Smith Obviously, teams always play better at home than they do on the road, but there's something about Oregon State that just feels like, you know, if, if Oregon State plays Stanford at home, I feel like it wins by two touchdowns. Yeah. If, yeah. you know, if this game is in Pullman, maybe Washington State pulls it out. I, I just feel like there's something about playing at Reeser with this Oregon State team under Jonathan Smith that, I mean, there's a reason Oregon State went 6-0 and at home last year. There's a reason the only game they've lost in the last two years at home is to a top ranked USC team. I mean, playing in front of that fan base and, and in a home field environment like Reeser, there's something about it that, that just elevates Oregon state's play. And, you know, I was the only person on the Beaver Blitz staff that picked Washington state to win this game. I'm looking back at that and I was thinking, what am I doing? Oregon state's playing a home game. These are almost guaranteed wins at this point. And it's incredible to see because to your point, like you said about, you know, building the program a couple of years ago, Washington state comes into <laughs> research. I mean, think back to the COVID year. Oh, well, I mean, even, even go state back further. Yeah. Yeah. Total domination. And I, I think I, when you look at, at good teams, good teams win their home games 
and then split the road games. And that gives you a a really good year. The great teams can win a few more than half on the road. Um, Yeah, this team is getting to be a good team. I I don't think they're getting the respect, um, even within the conference. Um, You know, watch it, looking at that, the um, Kook fan board before the game. I mean, nobody was really uh, thinking this was going to be a tough game. I I don't think the Pac-12 network really, um, all they kept talking about was Washington State's uh, injuries and how they're missing their running backs. And okay, well, if you want to go there, Oregon State's down their quarterback and their star tight end. I mean, come yeah. on, guys. I mean, it was just kind of that kind of got old. But and and an um, all conference safety and an all conference oh. safety exactly. So yeah, I, I just don't think this team's getting their due yet. Um, they probably won't until they can potentially knock off Washington up in Seattle. But um, definitely, definitely a, a fun team right now, and I think Beaver Nation is definitely behind them. And and I think the performance and, and to go out and to win in this fashion where it never really felt like a game, you know. It, no, it I told like you before Oregon we went on the end, I told you before we went on the air that it felt like Oregon State was going to win by thirty. Yeah, and I, I think twenty-four to ten was not entirely indicative of, you know, I, I felt like Oregon State kind of won that game by more than yeah. more than the score would suggest. But for for Oregon State to go and win in that fashion after looking. Uh, uh, let's call it like it is. I mean, Oregon State looked dreadful for three quarters at Stanford. Three looked, and a half quarters. Yeah, three and a half. I mean, I mean, just did not look good against Utah offensively, and and I mean, I guess defensively too, giving up the forty-two. It felt like this team needed a get-right game, and I said, man, this Washington State game comes at a really tough time because I think this is a game that you know a a team that's trending downward like Oregon State kind of looks like it might be it feels like a game it could lose. Like this is the week Oregon state needs Colorado. This is the week Oregon state needs a bye week Well, now you have to feel really good about where you're at winning a tough game like that against Washington state that I personally had circled on the schedule. The first, I mean, the, you know, when we're doing our game by game predictions in August and we're previewing the season and we're doing opponent previews in July, I said, man, that game is going to determine which of these two teams takes the next step and and reaches that top tier or at least you know jumps into the top third or so of the Pac-12 Oregon State I mean Oregon State was that team yeah. Oregon State yeah. I mean these are two four and two teams they had identical records conference play non-conference very evenly matched in the statistics category yeah. it it just felt like a it felt like a statement a statement win for Oregon State saying you know what we're here like we're we're done losing to teams that were know quote unquote the same as we're like we want to be in that top tier of the conference and while i think the the elite group of usc ucla utah oregon is you know it's it's hard to it's hard to join that party you know oregon state's knocking on the door but i don't know if anybody's letting them in win at washington you know build this long losing streak going into oregon maybe maybe you're part of that group but we've got a game to talk about here yes we we, we have to dive into we're this gonna thing. wait and talk about all these what ifs for bye week podcast yeah that, that'll be good bye week content um but before we jump in i uh, just want to shout out everybody for watching us live on youtube thanks for thanks for taking part of your sunday it's you I mean, guys it's we're almost up to we're over 900 subscribers on youtube my goal is a thousand by the yep. end of the season i think we can do it yeah i think we can get to a thousand by the end of the month Let's let's okay, let's make that goal. Help weeks, us help right. us get to a thousand subscribers, guys. It's free. It's, it's YouTube. Free. <laughs> like it's it's free. You'll get notified if you hit the notification bell every time I go live. You'll never miss a show. Um, you guys have have built such a great community on the damn podcast live format, and uh, we really appreciate that because it's it's fun to have these interactions with you uh, in real time. But let's let's dive into this thing. 
let's dive into this big win for Oregon State, a 24-10 to 10 result at Reeser against Washington State. We always touch on all the yardage numbers, so let's let's open with that. What if I, Angie, if I told you that Washington <laughs> State outgained Oregon State, would you believe me? Like with the way Oregon State's defense played, would you believe me if I said Washington State had 368 yards and Oregon State only had 344? You know what? That surprised me when I was doing the defensive points today that I kind of did a double take there myself. Yeah. But, you know, there was a little chunk in there where Oregon State defense kind of went soft prevent mode mm-hmm. and Washington State was able to pick up some big chunk yards. So it didn't really add up. I mean, it didn't add up to points. They did add up some yards. Um, I was maybe yelling at my TV a little bit. But um, they went back. They they went back into pressure mode and and kind of stopped them. But that is crazy. But the number that really pops out to me is the rushing number. Carter. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I mean, you know that Washington State's not going to try to run the ball a ton, and it's still a pass first team. And especially when you're playing from behind. I mean, the game script doesn't allow you to run the ball as much as you might want to. Um, how many passing attempts did they have? 54. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's telling of how little they're running the ball, but to hold Washington state to 23 yards on the ground, that's the fewest yards rushing Oregon state has allowed since playing like peak air raid Washington state back in 2012. Yeah. This is the, the best defensive game Oregon state has had in the rushing category in a decade. This okay. is the best that's... score. Now I didn't go back and look, but you know, we do the defensive points giant killer every week. This was the first time I have seen a B plus grade for the overall defense. I, I can't even tell you the last time because they've all been Bs and below. I'd argue that maybe we need to recalibrate that because this felt like an A game for yeah, Oregon State's yeah. defense, right? I mean, well, sure, the only thing the, they the got knocked down numbers, on was the passing yards. Was the yeah, passing the, yards? The passing numbers do stand out a little bit, but even then, I think they're very empty. So let's kind of dive into that rushing number. Yeah. Washington State carried the ball twenty three times for 23 yards. So, I mean, you're averaging, you know, a, a yard per carry. That's going to get the job done defensively. Yeah. Now, Jalen Jenkins, their standout true freshman running back, carried the ball six times for 42 yards. So, you know, he was productive when he yeah. touched the ball. He just didn't do it much. But the sacks, it was the sacks on Cameron Ward that brought that total down. The Beavers get into the backfield nine times for nine what tackles was, for loss. Wait, wait, Carter, can I ask sacks. you, what was my key defensive key to the game? Sacks, did he? Sack City, baby. <laughs> um, but the you know the, the backfield presence there with nine quarterback hurries, nine tackles for loss, six sacks. I mean, Washington State was was playing behind the sticks all night long. They were thirty three percent in third down conversions and zero for fourth down conversions. Yeah, and and I've I've got the note later on about all of the the turnovers on downs and and puns forced. So we'll get to that, but. Uh, I mean, man, just uh, okay, to, but to, I own wanna... the, to own the point of attack in a game that we said is going to be determined in the trenches, Oregon State delivered. Oh, on that. and so then flipping, flipping the script, Oregon State rushing the ball, that O-line, you know, we kept, we talked with, with um, Vinick from Kukfan. Jamie, Jamie from, I kept wanting to say Jeremy, I knew it was wrong. Jamie Vinick from Kukfan, and he kept talking about how great that front seven is for the Kooks. Mm-hmm. I watched Oregon State's O-line open up giant holes all night long and okay how about damian martinez you and i have been so high on him he had the leading he had the most touches in this game 16 touches for 111 yards 
That's 6.9 yards per carry. So, I mean, basically, I mean, as productive as Jalen Jenkins on a per carry basis, he just got the ball 10 more times and you see what happened. I mean, he crosses the century mark for the first time by an Oregon State running back, I believe, since Deshaun Fenwick did that at Fresno State back in what week two, I guess that would have been. Um, So, you know, you, you go a month without a running back racking up that kind of production and Martinez does it after he has that breakout game against Stanford with the two big runs and you know that the the all important touchdown run on the farm too feel like Oregon State has its guy running back now i mean he's only carried the ball 19 times over the last two games but all he's done is is make things happen and Jonathan Smith was i'll, I'll tell you what he was very happy that somebody brought up the fact that he got more than 3 carries yes. last week yes that's um and I wonder if Jonathan, you mentioned this on Thursday, how they finally made him available and that you thought maybe that was just their way of saying, watch yeah. this, you know, um, I noticed Fenwick still got the start a little frustrating. Yeah. I, I felt nothing against Deshaun. I mean, I think he's a great guy. He has a place. It's just that production wise, I, I just feel that, that Martinez and jam, I would have it Martinez, then jam jams, kind of that change of pace runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're finally starting to see, that uh, and and part of it too is Martinez is a true freshman. Yeah. You know he is. I think he just turned eighteen, um, yeah. and I think he's finally maybe getting that confidence that he belongs in this level. Not that he had questions, but it's it's a big learning curve to jump from high school ball to Division One. So, um, yeah. Brian Miller asked in the chat, "Do we need to start giving more carries to certain backs? Stop the committee approach?" I've been Absolutely. I've been for that for like five games already. And I, I think we saw it kind of emerge in the second half there. You know, Jonathan Smith always said, we're going to ride the hot hand. If one guy's producing, we're going to ride with him. But at halftime, it was still very even. I, I think we were looking at like, you know, maybe five for Fenwick, four for Griffin, six for Martinez, something like that. But, you know, I, they really did commit to Martinez. And it's interesting to see their roles kind of emerge because entering the year, you think of Trey Lowe as a third down back. You think of... Sean Fenwick is a first down guy. And then the other guys just kind of mix in. Now it feels like Martinez has the ability to be your lead back. Then you go with Griffin as a change of pace and Deshaun Fenwick's there for short yardage. Unfortunately for him, he's got to compete with Jack Coletto for short yardage situations, but it feels like that's where Deshaun Fenwick thrives right now. Yes. And it, I, you know, again, like you said, nothing against him because he is a good running back. It's just, he doesn't have the breakaway potential that the other guys give you. And, and, and you want that on first and second down. And he really seems to get tripped up. He gets tripped up yeah. quick. So, um, and, you know, I think I would, if I had to say anything about Martinez, it was that his vision was maybe lacking a little bit. The first couple games, he's really caught on and um, his vision has really improved. Yeah. We, we have a, com- a comment coming in about Jack Velling. Yes. Um, I have a, yes. I have a, a section dedicated in, to him later in the rundown. So <laughs> don't, uh, don't think that, we're, we're ignoring we're skipping over Jack Velling leading Oregon State and receiving we're going to get to that in just a few minutes but uh the passing numbers as Angie said you know that's probably the reason Oregon State graded out as a, a B plus for us and in, in our defensive metrics 345 yards allowed to Cameron Ward but here's he had a the, here's ton the of thing. drops though he was only 46 percent completion percentage. that's no that's exactly it and and that's why I think you know 345 yards looks great for for Wazoo but then you got to think about efficiency with these things, you know, when that's literally the only way you're moving the ball, cause you're not running it at all. And you know, you're taking sacks, like you, you can't complete 46% of your passes. Yeah. Not gonna get and and some of that was due to drops, but man, 
Oregon State with with the the past defenses and everything. I mean, they came in as one of the top teams in the country and passes defended. Defended 11 more passes, 10 breakups and a pick. You throw that in with a couple of drops and and all of a sudden you've got Cameron Ward sitting under 50% and you're thinking that's, that's not going to that's not going to fly in a air raid offense. Yes. Um on the flip side, Ben Goldbranson for Oregon State again gets the start for Chance Nolan. 12 of 24 for 50 50%, 141 yards, a, a touchdown and a pick. Pretty middle of the road game from from Yeah, ben. and and I'll I'll talk about this tomorrow and I don't know if it's going to be a he said, she said or just a that's what she said. Leaning towards the latter. Okay, I, okay. That's yeah. fine. But I, I mentioned this because I went to bed last night and I was I mean, while I was happy the Beavs won, I I had this feeling kind of just that the offense just continues to sputter. Um, it just still felt like they couldn't quite get until I sat down to write that and I started looking at the stats and you have to remember Washington state actually is a really good defensive team. So um, Ben, while it wasn't pretty, was he good enough? Yeah. I mean, he was good enough. And, and Jack Coletto said after the game in the post game press conference that with the way the offense was rolling and sometimes this is how it works at Oregon state, a team that likes to establish the run first, um, Sometimes you just need a game manager and yeah. and that's what Ben did. And and something that, you know, I think Tristan Jebbia did very well when he was the starter. Well, we got, we got spammed here. On uh-oh, our... uh-oh. We got bots in the chat. <laughs> we got bots in the chat. <laughs> shut it down. Shut wow. It down. All right. I'm going to go ahead and block that user. And <laughs> there we go. We had like Tinder and all kinds <laughs> of stuff going on. Yeah. All right. Um, Wow, changing uh, yes, changing sorry, gears sorry here. If you're I don't even I don't even know what we were talking about. We were talking thanks, about being a game manager, and Ben was a was a good game manager. Um, <laughs> and you know, especially when he, I mean, Washington State did a really good job of keeping Treshawn Harrison covered and not even an option. So um, that was actually, um, I think, he did even a better job to be able to read that and go to Anthony Gould or Silas Golden or or Jack Belling. Brian Miller, bots are a sign we are growing. Here. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't see channels with a hundred subscribers get uh, get get trolled like that. But um, no, we we, we Tinder hot. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <Alrighty> XYZ. <laughs> Cupid emoji. Um, wow, that's that's too good. That's good. Uh, all right. The, the one more this thing is, we got. This is the damn podcast version of getting water dumped on our head live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, another defensive number we we have to highlight here is the pressure Oregon State got on the Washington State pocket. Nine tackles for loss, six sacks. Uh, I have the quarterback hurry number down here. Eight eight quarterback hurries. So eight quarterback hurries and and six sacks means you're you're getting a Cam Ward fourteen on fourteen dropbacks. He threw the ball fifty four times. So I mean that's like what what what's the number on that twenty percent something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to get that kind of pressure on on a guy who's trying to run an air raid offense, I, you're not going to be able to move the ball against that. So much credit to Oregon State's defensive front, the outside linebackers, you know, the, the edge rushers there, but also the defensive backs. You know, I asked Katano Ladapo about this after the game. I said, you guys are down the field, breaking up passes and getting into the backfield, taking the quarterback down like how many things do you have to manage at, at one time if, if you're a defensive back in this system? And he said, you know, it's all about eye placement, staying disciplined, making your reads. And, and man, Oregon State safeties and, and nickels, yeah. 
they do such a good job of that. It, it is so impressive on a weekly basis to see these guys get into the defensive backfield and, and, and to, to get pressure on the quarterback and make plays down the field. So it's, I just it's have just, it's just a sign of a, a great all around defensive game. Huge, huge shout out to Jaden Grant, because I actually felt he played the best game of his Oregon state career uh, against the Cougs. Uh, sorry. I was monitoring the chat. I missed okay. what you said there, but um Jaden Grant, right. best game of his career. Oh, yeah, agree? yeah, yeah. It's up there. I mean, I, I haven't done the top performance or the, the top performers piece for, for Beaver Blitz yet. That's a that's a post-podcast thing. Um, but I believe, yeah, okay, eight tackles, one sack, a, a pass breakup. It's up there for sure as, as far as just, you know, well-rounded games go for Well, yeah, those two total. One was a sack, one was a just a, a tackle, mid midfield tackle, but... He just popped up. It was. It was Throw great. this up here. Nice. Coming from yes. Nick, best DB group in the country. Best in the conference. I'm. The I'm, conference. I'm very willing to say that. Um, it's up there in the country. I mean, you had five, four, five all Pac-12 players come back from last year, and I think they've all done nothing but improve and and improve notably. Yeah. You. I mean, you put a, a Trent Bryce scheme in there too. I mean, it's it it might be one of the best secondaries in the country at, at this point. Um, let's move on and and do some game flow stuff. But before we do that, uh, let's let's just remind everybody who's who's listening who hasn't already subscribed to the Beaver Blitz video YouTube page, who hasn't already taken advantage of of the VIP subscription at BeaverBlitz.com. If you haven't done that, you're missing out because, man, as the season progresses, like our, our content just gets more and more fun to produce. And I think we just get more and more in depth. Uh, and, you know, as, as this team just continues to rack up the wins, um, it, it's been fun to see our engagement grow as well. So we just have to thank the the Beaver Blitz community for for jumping on the bandwagon with us. And, you know, I, I, I say bandwagon kind of, you know, lightheartedly. I, Oregon State fans are are by no means bandwagon fans, but, but to, to join the, to join the Beaver Blitz train and, and to help us grow as this team continues to just get better and better. Uh, we can't thank you enough. So if you haven't already, now's the time to do so because everybody and their mother is doing it. So follow, follow along in the peer pressure and, and head to beaverblitz.com because <laughs> we have all the coverage you could ever ask. For. I was super surprised last night because we do a live game thread um, during each game. And usually home games are a little, quieter just because fans are obviously in the stands yeah. last night was crazy it was busy we had over 100 people uh in the lodge at one point um 7500 views in that one thread not bad that's pretty good for a for a home for game a home game yeah yeah when everybody's you know in the stadium and, and not on their phones because the the Why lte at Reeser stadium is is not in not terribly impressive. And I, I actually texted Angie after the game. I said, you know what, this, this research stadium Wi-Fi tonight, there's just something about it. Like, I'm sorry, but nothing's getting up on the website until I get back to Sherwood. Cause there's, and I'll, I'll be transparent here. My Oregon state student account from what, two years ago now actually deactivated last oh, week. Snap. And so I lost access to the student Wi-Fi, which meant I was like, I was upset about that. Cause Oregon state student Wi-Fi is like, is some of the best Wi-Fi out there. <laughs> I mean, we're getting we're getting real off topic here, but yeah. So if, if you were if you were like staying up till one, two in the morning, three in the morning, thinking, man, where's the post game coverage? Yeah, 
you can thank uh, you can thank OSU underscore well, and that's one of the, Wi-Fi. That is one of the reasons that we actually split up on some of these games because the Wi-Fi yeah. can be so bad that then if Carter and I are both stuck in the press box with no Wi-Fi, then none of us are. We can't do anything. Exactly. So the way it is, if I'm at home watching, doing the live game thread, at least one of us has Wi-Fi. Angie and I do these, you know, the, the team gets together on Sundays and watches film. Angie and I talk about, all right, so, you know, how's Wi-Fi, how's yeah. engagement, yeah. you know, this this is yes. our film review. Uh, so we're taking you inside the film room right here. But yes. um, all right, that's that's the Beaver Blitz plug. Let's let's talk more football. So let's let's get into it. Things things get started about as, as good as you could ask for Oregon State's offense. And you're thinking, well, for special teams and then the okay. offense, yeah. um, you're thinking, man, this is this is as good of a start as, as we could have ever imagined against a good defensive team. Silas Bolden takes the opening kickoff 60 yards to the Washington state 40. Tyjon Lindsay hauls in a fourth down conversion to keep the, the drive alive, a pass to Jack Velling. Oregon state finds itself towards the goal line. And then Jack Coletto plows in for a one yard touchdown. And just like that, Oregon state scores on the, the first drive of the game, which is the first time Oregon state has done that this year, which is so surprising because in years past, We've talked about Oregon State as, you know, getting a hot start and, and, you know, making teams play from behind. That was the story of last season, I think, offensively, yeah. was was all yeah. the hot starts. More of the same this year, and and it's nothing, it's something that we hadn't really seen up to this point. Um, were you were you as impressed as I was with kind of how yeah, they got this I, thing rolling? Yeah, I mean, that, that starting things off with the kickoff return was huge. And then, like you said, I, you know, it gets down to, you know, the conversion by Tyjon Lindsay. And that was such a monumental and it's going to go overlooked by, you know, when you kind of really go deep down, but Tyjon had a couple big catches on, yes. on conversion. So, um, and then it was fun to see Jack Coletto back kind of running with, he ran a lot with the offense. Um, Six carries for, I think 11 yards off the but top he was of in, head. I mean, he was, he was tied in, he was yeah. wildcat. He was fullback. Yeah. We saw him all over, but we hadn't seen him in a couple weeks. So, um, Everybody's liver got a little rest in the Jack Coletto drinking <laughs> game, but it was all all go time this this week. And, and Jack said after the game, actually, that that was part of the game plan to get him more involved in the offense because Washington State is a nickel-heavy team. He said there were matchups that they wanted to exploit. Um, curious now if teams will run less nickel. You know, maybe Jonathan yeah. Smith is saying, hey, Jack, like, what was that about? Why did you? Why did you? Why did you let that out there? Um, but I mean, yeah, great, great game plan. It, you and, know and what, Carter? Experience. I don't think it matters because the hammer because they can't, can't stop stopped. him anyway. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, he can't be stopped. Uh, like they know of, he's going to run the ball, and they can't stop him. Speaking of getting stops, Oregon State's defense set a tone early yes. with a three and out on its first drive. Rajon Wright textbook pass breakup yes. on third down to force a punt. I, I mean, seriously, as as far as setting tones goes, touchdown on the first drive, three and out with a great defensive play on third down. Like that's about as good of a start as as I could have imagined. Then on the flip side, <laughs> Ben Goldbranson <laughs> tosses it to Sam Locke at the third. He returns at 36 yards to Oregon State side of the field. Um, it was a pressured throw, okay, and, and this has been a trend with some of Oregon State's interceptions this year. It's a lot of them have been under pressure. The quarterback's not necessarily throwing it away. He's trying to make a play. You know, there's there's something to be said for for standing in there and and you know, but I th I think that was a I think that was a quote unquote decision making interception by 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 yeah, Grant. I do too. But you know what? It turned out not to cost the Beavers, luckily, um, any any points. So yeah, it was ugly, and I 
I kind of had some, oh no, here we go again mm-hmm. vibes, but um, it, it, it turned out it was not costly. And it didn't cost them because Kyrie Fisher-Morris, Katano Ladapo combined for a third down sack. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. our bot's back. T- Tinderhot XYZ is back in the <laughs> chat. We're going to go ahead and block that again. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the, the another three and out, Oregon State with an, another big third down play. And, you know, that, that was a theme of the night. Um, here's my, my favorite stat of the night was that Washington State had one yard of total offense through the first quarter. That's it, I just, yeah. I, it just pure domination. And you know, it's Washington state only has two drives and sometimes first quarters get out to a slow start and you only see like two possessions, but, yeah. but still, you know, One yard. There's, you, For you a can't, potent offense like the Cougars. Yeah. The numbers don't lie. Like Oregon state's defense was dominant in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, then the Beavers expanded their lead with the 26 yard field goal from Atticus Sappington could have had six, an impressive play that that will go unnoticed because it was called back. But Golbranson showed a little bit of you know escapability on this mm-hmm. play, and then uh, Fuaga Taliesa Fuaga makes makes one of those you know don't give up until the play is over type blocks where Golbranson had already escaped the pocket, but he had a guy chasing him, and like eight yards behind the line of scrimmage Fuaga comes in and just blows the guy out of the water with an incredible block. Golbranson fires the ball on the run to, to Anthony Gould. Unfortunately, the ball hits the ground and and the touchdown is over uh, overturned. Oregon state does still get points there. And you're looking at a 10 0 start at that point. Now the second quarter is, I mean, it was one of special teams. That's that was all of the offense. And, and I mean, there was a handful of punts too. Dean Janikowski, no relation to, yes. you know, the, the Janikowski fame. Uh, yes. at, at the I had to look that up, actually. And it's funny because the Washington State media guy actually says, you know, under his personal, yeah, you know, it says yeah. no relation. Yeah, that's come Sebastian. up a, a while. Yeah. He's a great kicker, too. Um, but yeah, what are the odds? The name Janikowski, you're both yeah. kickers that you're not related. But uh, he answers with a 29 yarder. But again... Oregon State keeps Washington State out of the end zone. John McCartan had a huge sack for 12 yards, uh, a 12-yard loss. And then Jaden Grant with, I mean, just, again, a huge hit to to knock a pass loose. And (laughs) the story of the first three defensive drives were just huge, timely plays. Um, That brings up third and 22. You know, Washington State has to settle for three. And then the rest of the, the second quarter was just a bunch of, all right, three and out, five and out, seven and out. You know, a bunch of bunch of puns. Now, Luke Losher, we gotta we have to highlight him here. Punted the ball five or six times for Oregon State and averaged about 50 yards per punt, which Huge. if you average 50 yards a punt for a season, you're probably having the best season by a punter in college football history. I mean, that's those are incredible numbers. And something that that shouldn't go unrecognized because the field position game was critical in this game. That was the that was one of the big reasons why Washington yeah. State didn't score many points because every time it got the ball, it was starting from its own twenty. Yeah, yeah, and that's again, that's another point that's gonna it's gonna get glassed over with all the all the recaps, but um, another very huge part of this game. Washington State opens the second half with a three and out, and then Oregon State again adds to its lead with the catch of the game. I, I would say it's the catch yeah. of the season so far, but obviously that goes to Treshawn Harrison last week. Anthony Gould high points a ball right on the goal, right on the goal line and, and falls pretty hard to the ground. He, he was fine. Um, 
on a throw that at the time I was like, oh, Ben, what are you doing? Like, you're rolling out of the pocket. You're on your back foot. Like, how many times have we seen that yeah, turn yeah. into an interception this season? And he threw it about? like, yeah, like major coverage. Yeah, I, I think we've seen that exact thing turn into a pick like six times already this season. But uh, I mean, to his credit, put it right on the money for Gould. It's you know, it, it may have been somewhat of an ill-advised throw, but can you really say that when he threw an absolute dime and Anthony Gould made the best catch of his career? Yeah. Um, it, it just impressive play all around. Showed off Ben Goldbranson's mobility and, and what we had seen from Gould in fall camp. Just elite playmaking ability. 17-yard touchdown catch makes it 17-3 to beeves halfway through the third quarter. And, you know, it's that was... That was basically the margin the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Jenkins. So, so this actually, this was the offensive portion of the game right here. Yeah. Two teams scoring two touchdowns in the span of four minutes. Uh, Jalen Jenkins responded with a nine yard receiving touchdown from Cameron Ward, a three minute and 41 second scoring drive from Washington state for its lone touchdown. And really the only time that I felt like Washington state had any momentum. Is, yeah, exactly. Right. That was the only, I mean, and even then, it didn't feel like the game was out of reach. Yeah. Jack Coletto scores a second touchdown of the game, which was set up by Damian Martinez, Damian Martinez's 50-yard run. That was um, so pretty. So off the top of your head, was his touchdown against Stanford, was that 43 or 53 yards? I thought it was 53. Okay. So, yeah, I was curious if, you know, if this was the longest run of his career or if one of those last week had had. I think he out. had a 53 last week. Okay. that that I'll, does I'll sound right while we're... again that was that was the play that i missed as i was walking down from the press box so um but nonetheless uh, again damian martinez like this is the player angie and i saw in the spring and, and fall and had been hyping up and angie do you, do you want to take another victory lap like i'll, I'll let you take a victory lap no if, i if you, want you know to. i've taken so many victory laps but i'm just happy <laughs> okay. that what what we've said is coming to fruition and I texted you last night that it does feel good that the things we've seen, we saw Ben take off a little bit. He's not a mm-hmm. statue as, as we, as a lot of people want to make him out. And we said, Carter, we said in August that this defense was really, really good. And, and what stood out the most to us, the the takeaways, right. And, and yeah, the play of the yeah. defensive backs. I mean, we've seen that. We, we saw that this week, Yeah. Um, but really all season, you know, just the ability by, for the, for the defensive backs to, to get into passing lanes, to knock the ball down, to bring it in, we haven't seen that from an Oregon State secondary since okay, so Jordan Poyer was You know here. what? I'm, I'm going to – I just looked. Stanford, his long was 43. Okay. So this would have been yep. his longest run. So that 50-yard fifty uh, yard run to the Washington State four was Damian Martinez's longest uh, rush of his career. And, and man, there are so many more like that coming. Um, Ryan Cooper Jr., interception, his second in as many weeks. So when I was watching this play, I was like, oh, shoot, like, you know, Washington State's going to pick up a first down here. But then, yeah. oh, what a great play to, to yeah. jar the ball loose. And then, oh, what a great play by Cooper to, to catch it off the carom. Like, I. But you know what? Oregon State actually lost 10 yards in that because that was a fourth down play. That's true. That's very true. Not, but uh, you'll take but the yeah, pick over take the, the 10 pick. yards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, the, the momentum, yeah. the momentum boost yeah. and the energy and the excitement is, you know, it's so much better yeah. than oh, turnover on downs. All right. Yeah. I guess it's our ball now. Um, that was a, a fourth down attempt for, for Wazoo. A couple more punts, things really just slowed down. And, and really at that point, it's like for Oregon state, like 
all all you really want is is time to wind down. Like, sure, you yeah. want to put some more insurance points on the board, but you have a double a double digit lead. You know, you're in the fourth quarter. Like, let's just wind. You just don't want to do anything if, stupid. If, if yeah. we have to punt, like, so be it. You know, then Washington State has 90 yards to go because Luke Losher's otherworldly. Um, Washington State did turn over turn it over on downs a couple of times in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. One decision that I want your opinion on and. If I had more time in the the post game press conference, you know, if if it hadn't already gone longer than any other one, I, I would have asked about this decision. So Oregon State's got a fourth and short. It kind of I wouldn't say deep into Washington State territory, but like midway through it, and you know Jack Coletto's been doing Jack Coletto things all night long. If you get the first down there, like the game's probably over. You know, you, you probably just kind of run the the clock out. Um, but if you kick the field goal and you make it that's a three score game and the yeah. game's over. So like, I, I guess the question there is what are you more comfortable with? Like Jack Coloto picking up a couple of yards, you holding onto the ball and running the clock out or Atticus Sappington hitting a 35 yard field goal, which of course he did he not. Um, yeah. To, I mean, to, I know. To extend the lead. So everything, if you go by the, you know, by the book, it would be to kick the field goal. You kick the field goal, you get the points. It's a three score game at that point. Um, you also build, maybe some confidence with a backup kicker that you might need. That being said, like Eric and I were debating this. We were debating it in the lodge chat during the game. Eric thought that was the right call. I actually think I I probably would have gone with Jack because I just think he wasn't, you weren't stopping him Um, and pick up that, pick up that first down, run the clock out, potentially score a touchdown. Maybe I was getting greedy. Like I said, if you played it by the book, it would say to go for the, for the field goal. Jonathan Smith was playing the way you you should um but i'm used to him being a little more of a gambler i didn't question it in uh, at yeah, the moment I mean, because i think if you know if i'm making the call there i'm sending the field goal unit on like yeah, yeah i know these are college kickers you got your back up you know i i don't know did you notice if dylan black was long long he was, he was. okay so you know you've got your oh he's back the bot's back right. tinder hot <laughs> block um so you know you've got your backup kicker and and whatnot but like like you should feel pretty good about kicking a 35 yarder. Right. So I, I was okay with it. Obviously they missed it. It didn't cost them at all. I, I just felt like, you know, it's, you're not risking anything by going for it, by going for it, but you're also not like, like you don't have yeah. to, you know, in yeah. that situation, especially when Washington state has only scored 10 points. Like they're going to have to more than double their score at that point. So I was fine with it. And, you know, I, I, I know that some fans had, had been questioning it. So I was yeah. just kind of curious what your thoughts were. But... No, I mean, that was the right call. I... Yeah. Uh, and, and then Cam Ward scrambles on Washington State's final possession for um, what I think, I think 12 yards on like fourth and 19 or something and, yeah. and runs out of bounds. And, and that's the ball game. That uh, just finishing touches, I, I think that's a fitting way for this game to end. You know, uh, Washington State's behind the sticks got a fourth and 19 ward is, is trying to make something happen because he's under pressure and he got great coverage downfield doesn't get enough I, I thought that was very fitting just you know the way oregon state's defense had played well um, speaking of oregon state's defense no, that's was... been mobile quarterbacks have been a little bit of the or quarterbacks that can move have been an achilles heel for this team for years yeah um they had cam ward backed up a lot this game all right let's talk about the good and the bad there's okay substantially more good from this game right yes. i mean in, in most wins there are but uh, th- this one in particular jonathan smith called it a great team win and 
you know, really uh, credit to Nick Dashel for asking this question because, you know, you, you pick up on some of the nuances of press conferences yeah. throughout the season. And, you know, a lot of times Jonathan Smith will come in and he'll say, you know, proud of the guys, blah, 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 so-and-so, but so much to clean up in, yeah. in all three phases. You know, we, we didn't like this call or we need to execute this play better. There was none of that. Like Jonathan Smith, Jonathan Smith was just like, he was smiling. He was happy. Like <laughs> the players were, the players were too, like, it just felt like a team that was very happy with the way it won that game. And Smith said, yeah, you know, it was our best defensive performance of the season. We didn't really have much to clean up. I thought we got great execution in all three phases. Like even the quarterback play, like the numbers don't look great, but, but then actually played better than that might suggest. I think they were really happy about it. Yeah, like, I do too. I, I think they're just really thrilled about the way they played this game. Yeah. Because they dominated, you know, it was, yeah. um, it felt a little like that USC game, except they came Except up they, the other, they came they won. Up with the yeah. win. So yeah. I guess question for you is, is this the best, the best performance you've seen in all three phases? Um, well, yeah, I guess it would be all three phases. I, I still think they played the best at USC. Um, but those four interceptions were the. And I throw out the Montana state game. Cause it's like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't count. Like, I, I guess, yeah, it was impressive yeah. because Oregon state put up 60 something points and we didn't see that coming. But it's an FCS opponent, yeah. so I, I think you kind of, if you're talking about superlatives, that game yeah, that one doesn't kind of gets um, tossed. Yeah, I think I'd probably top to bottom. I guess all three phases, this would be the best yeah. performance. Yeah, and and really, I mean, the only thing in special teams that you want to clean up is a missed field goal, and again, like yeah. those things happen. So they happen, just like interceptions happen. I mm-hmm. like I, I mentioned last night, interceptions are going to happen if you're throwing the ball, but you just don't want four in one game. Yeah. All right, this I, I promised we'd talk about Jack Velling. So the leading rusher, we, we've touched on Damian Martinez and, and the performance he had and, and the breakout he is going through right now, but Jack Velling at, at tight end. So Luke Musgrave goes down at, at the tight end position. You know, your, your star tight end, your leading receiver goes down two weeks into this season, and you're like, great. All right, we have a really young tight end group, but there's a lot of depth, and we feel like a lot of talent because Oregon State has recruited it well. Who's going to be the guy that steps up? Well, how about a true freshman? Two weeks in a row making a, a couple of catches. Jack Velling four for sixty-three yards this week is a, he had he doubled the the next you know the next best reception total and he had, I think more than doubled the the yardage total there. Um, how impressed were you with what he was able to do after the catch? Because I feel like that's what stood out to me. Like you don't normally see tight ends like weave through guys and make them miss, but he yeah, looked like yeah. a receiver out there. After he did. The catch. He did, and you know he's. Part of that is, you know, he hasn't had time to put on maybe as much weight as yeah. a, a normal tight end would. Um, but he is. He, I mean, he was recruited to be more of that receiver tight end mold. And um, definitely, definitely, I mean, take a bow, Jack Belling. And and I noticed on that the leading rusher and the leading receiver were both true freshmen. It's impressive guys, the, stuff. The and future looks bright, you know, when yeah. you... If, if you can get a quarterback in there that, that can do a little bit more than just manage the game. And, you know, maybe I mean, I'm not going to write off Aiden Childs getting a chance as a true freshman next year. No, I, no. I, I really won't. Um, but with Velling, you know, I, I kind of forgot the, the point I was going to make here. But um, it's again, it's it's just the fact that he comes in as a true freshman. And, and you know, I, I think it's telling. Jonathan Smith said when he introduced all of these guys, Velling is the kind of guy who can come in and, and can get a shot mm-hmm. to contribute right away. And, you know, sometimes you, you take that and you say, all right, like, you know, he's just kind of hyping him up as a, as a good guy. Like they really like this kid, but like 
in camp, he was running with the ones and twos. As, as a he was freshman. a kid, though. It was quiet, but he had a lot of interest coming at him late in the process, and he, he yeah. stuck with his commitment. But, you know, he was one that the big guys were coming after. All right, here's the point I was going to make. I forgot. So think back to when Luke Musgrave came in, and we're like, all right, this guy just looks, I mean, he looks like a physical specimen. Like, you know, he has all the tools to be on the elite tight end. Took him a couple of years to get to that point, and unfortunately, we may never really see a full season yeah. of it, which I think it just sucks. But, like, obviously we want Luke Musgrave to go do big things in the NFL. That's I, I think he has a chance to do, but what Jack Belling is doing seven games in his collegiate career is what I think you and I thought Luke Musgrave could do. Yes, absolutely. No, it, exactly. Because it took Luke a few years to get kind of, I mean, he dropped the mm -hmm. ball. He, um, you know, had some issues there. And this, this is, I think, like you said, this is what we expected Luke Musgrave to look like. So, which is which is why I think I'm so high on what Velling exactly. has done because so think we, about what like, he can do. Yeah, because like, we, I mean, we touted Luke Musgrave as this, you know, this true freshman who could be a, a phenom for Oregon State, and you know, it, it just it just didn't come to fruition right away. But I, you know, like we didn't have the same necessarily hype about Velling. You and I were both like we both really liked him as a yeah, yeah. as a prospect out of high school, um, but for him to do right away what we said a potentially elite tight end could do like there's a reason i tweeted during the game like oregon state might have an elite tight end in the making in jack velling yeah. because he's doing stuff that we expected from a guy who is now an elite tight end in, in luke musgrave six games into his career yeah. uh we talked about the running back rotation and and how it made a little bit more sense as the the game progressed do you think I mean, do you think something clicked there? Like, do you think the coaches maybe are, are thinking like, all right, Damian Martinez, Jam Griffin, like the carries at the end of the game suggest that that they are recognizing these are the guys. Okay, so this is my conspiracy tinfoil hat here. So you didn't see this because this is what you get when you kind of watch it on TV. Toward the end of the second quarter, Jonathan Smith was like taking notes. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he was writing down, but I'm wondering if he maybe was like, dude. Yeah. Feed the ball to Martinez. I don't know. Good point. I don't know. Uh, so time of possession is something that we'd never really talk about. Yeah. It's it's one of those take it with a grain of salt stats. Um, but I thought it was very, you know, I, I think that the discrepancy in, in time of possession deserves note here because I don't know if I've ever seen it this lopsided. Yeah, Oregon State possessed the ball for 34 or 35 minutes and 44 seconds. Washington State, 25 minutes and five seconds. Oregon State had the ball for 10 more minutes than Washington which, State. This is a 60-minute game. Yeah, but in an air raid offense, that's not maybe yeah. necessarily a big indicator because they can score so quickly. Um, the bigger – I mean, Oregon State was just able to stop them three, four and out, five and outs. I mean, um, I think that was the the key there. And I think that's kind of the point I was going to try to set up with that is that this it, it's indicative of, of great play in all three phases yes. because yes. your special team sets up long fields. So you know that Washington State's drives are probably going to sputter out at some point. Like only elite defenses can consistently score when it have, when they have to march 85 yeah. yards down the field. Yeah. Um, defense for six punts. There were four turnovers on downs great execution defensively with when those drives stall out and like Washington state's not going to be, not going to be able to hold on to the possession and, and score without big plays three, three and outs as well. Um, I, there's, there's a, there's a, 
a split in the the media guide and game notes that talks about Oregon State's record when it controls time of possession. And okay. I don't usually include it in the in in our matchup previews, and I don't even have it pulled up. But it's a stat that I'm going to look at after this because I think Oregon State is significantly better when it controls time of possession. And obviously, you know, these things are, you know, it's correlation, not causation, whatnot, but. But that typically means you're running the ball with success. If you're going to be able to control the the clock. Yeah. Um, Another area that stood out to me, two penalties for 10 yards and only one turnover after a week where you had four, three or four on sportsman likes and. Yeah. Okay. But that crew, Mark Betty and crew did the Utah USC game, which ended in a complete cluster. That yeah, just might not be the best crew. <laughs> it just is that putting it lightly. But that's you know that's hard on a team because there's no consistency. You have one team, one one referee squad that's going to flag every sneeze, and then you have another one that's going to let you actually play and get physical. And I'd rather let them play, but um, it, it makes it tough. It makes it tough to coach. It makes it tough to play when you don't know exactly what's going to get called. But do you think it's also indicative of? Oregon State's morale and and kind of where the locker room's at too, where like they are playing more disciplined and they're not having the uncharacteristic like after the after the whistle penalties. Whereas, you know, you look at the first three quarters against Washington or uh, Stanford, and I said, man, it looks like a team that doesn't even want to be here. It's doing weird stuff in the yeah. penalty area. But then Oregon State comes out, executes, like is fired yeah. up on every play, and what do you know? It's playing clean football too, yeah. like. I, I think some of that is, I, I think a lot of it's mental. Yeah, actually. it totally is mental. Oh, so, I see you know, Connor. After, I see... after a win like Stanford, like obviously it's going to lift your spirit. Exactly. Oh, I just saw a, um, Connor Johnson, totally off topic, asking if synthetic sports will do any more beef videos. And they were actually at the game this week for us yeah. filming. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw a, a little shout out here on the screen uh, if, if you're watching live on YouTube as we continue on. Um, clutch catches stood out to me. We already kind of talked about what Tyjon Lindsay did, but I, I thought the Gould touchdown um, yeah, fits absolutely. fits there as well. And then yeah. defensively, the thing that I was most impressed with, and you know, again, I, I feel like I'm rehashing this, is what the defensive backs did in in all three levels of the defense. Yeah. Um, I, I I just I can't highlight that enough. Um, even in, even in a, a, a 14 point win, some stuff that didn't go according to plan, I think quarterback play, even with, you know, the coaches and players saying, you know, Ben actually kind of thrived in his role in this game and, and took what the defense was giving him. I still think that quarterback play is holding the offense back. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, anything that stood out to you as, you know, something that you want to see cleaned up going into next week? run the ball more, I guess. I, you know, no, I, I, I thought it was pretty besides quarterback play and that's maybe not necessarily all on Ben. I just, I didn't, this is going to sound nitpicky, but I thought his handoff seemed a little shaky. I don't, my Jack, my, you know, my 14 year old who loves football was watching the game and he actually thought Oregon state was trying a little slow mesh because you'd watch. watch, (laughs) They learned something from last week. Yeah. He's like watching the handoffs and he's like, are we doing some slow mesh here? I don't know. I don't know if Ben's just being slow or if he is actually, I mean, if they're going to try to incorporate a little, little RPO slow. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that can just like, that can be telling of, all right, this plays an RPO. Like, you know, he's just, he's reading to to see if he wants to throw this thing. Um, I would like to see some more RPO in the Oregon state offense. If chance Nolan comes back and, and is the starter, because I think 
and I, you know, I know they've done this a little bit, but I, I just think, you know, his ability to pull it yeah. gives you, you know, like your, your RPO becomes a triple option at that point where exactly. he can either hand it off, he can keep it or he can throw it. So, yeah. you know, something to watch for maybe down the road after playing Stanford and, and seeing it firsthand. Yeah. Um, fumbles. I, I, you know, they didn't cost Oregon state, but yes. Oregon state did cough the they ball did. twice. Yeah. I think one went out of bounds and one they recovered, if I'm yeah, not yeah. mistaken. We're going to say it recovered. I you think know, Jack you're, Coletto you're actually recovered it. Yeah, like you're not losing them, but you got to hold on to the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of couple of drop passes too, yeah. but nothing like nothing catastrophic no, there. No. Um, no injuries. No injuries came out of this one. We didn't see anybody return other than Dylan Black, I don't believe, at no. long snapper. Yeah. Still waiting on Joe Golden on the defensive line. Be nice to have him back, even though I mean I think the defensive line's playing really well without him, but yeah, he was one of the better players out there on that He's day to day from what I hear. So um yeah. it's just a, a nagging injury that can give him problems. Everett Hayes still with that groin injury, you know, that's always gonna be tough for kickers, uh still, you know, day to day, week to week. But um no real big updates on on that front after the after this game, which is, which is good. You know, you, you never want to hear like, okay, we've, we've got all this injury news, you know, like guys coming back, guys leaving, like Oregon state by and large still has been like relatively lucky. I think as, as far as injuries go, um, they've been in positions where I don't think that it's, it's like inherently costing them. Yeah. All right. We have to revisit our keys to the game before we get out of here. Um, I mean, you, you already, you already got your sack city drop in. Maybe, you know what? Maybe we need, we might need a, a sound bite for that. We, we might need a, a sack city drop. Sack city. Offensively. I said, keep it positive. No negative plays. Get the morale back. You know, this is a, a multifaceted key, a, a play on words. All of that. I, I felt like Oregon yeah, State did. resounding. Um, and I, I believe I was run the ball. And they did and, that too. They did. They crossed the 200 yard mark for what, the second so, time yes. this season. And then defensively, your key was to contain the pocket, mm-hmm. which. Well, I, I, I want to touch more on the offensive one. Okay, so, okay. you know, last week against Stanford, Oregon State gave up what I, I think eight tackles for loss, four mm-hmm. sacks. So uncharacteristic. And, you know, I, I think some of that was on Bengal Branson, not necessarily comfortable on the road, first start, you know, you name it. Um, but the offensive line against as you said earlier, a Washington state defense that has probably a, you know, a top three. Uh, no, no, no. I was getting them mixed up. Washington state does have the best front seven in the pack 12. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they lead the conference attacks for loss sacks yeah. um, or, or at least close to it, you know, top 10 in the country. We're going to take allowed three tackles for loss one sack. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good against yeah. a really good defense. Yeah. Um, Four four point three yards per carry isn't great, but again, you know, the volume was there. So Oregon State ran for two hundred yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, again, I I just don't think there's really much we can take away that no. that was negative. No, it was you. They kept it positive, Carter, just how you yeah. wanted it. Uh, okay, so as you know, we can tr- transition to the defenses. Uh, you were you were trying before I interrupted. Yes, you. no, it's good. So um, in the pocket, I mean, they did. Yeah, I mean. Eight quarterback hurry, six sacks, nine tackles for loss. Who, yeah, if, I, if mean, I was to ask you who had the better uh, front seven pass rush, who would you have said? You would guess that it's by like by far Oregon State. Yeah. Um, here's one. Here's one for you. 
I'm going to list all of the guys who are listed in the sack category. And, okay. you know, Oregon State had six sacks, but some of these were like combined. So, okay. Going down the line, and this is in order of total tackles. This is how I sorted this Jaden Grant, Kyrie Fisher Morris, Katano Ladapo, John McCartan, James Rawls, Siona Lolohea, Isaac Hodgins, Corey Stover. I just listed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys who were credited with a sack. Okay. Eight, eight but different players. Eight different players. Defensive linemen, linebackers. Yes, I was going to say. Defensive so, back. But it's split across the board. Yeah. I, it's And for like all those people all that have been complaining field. about the D-line, which I was in the past year, but they're still complaining about the D-line. Four of those guys are D-linemen. Rawls, Olahea, Rawls, Hodgins. Hodgins and Stover. Stover technically outside linebacker, but yeah. Yeah, but well, and McCartan. I mean, so I get confused because now Stover and McCartan both say that their coach is leggy. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if some of the edge rushers are, are coached by yeah. by leggy and and not Trent Bray. Trent Bray obviously was he was uh, he was the inside linebackers coach even when yeah. Tim Tibisar was here. So I I think you know. There's only so much, like the guy only has so much bandwidth as a defensive coordinator. So like, let's narrow it down. Well, I, like, think, I think State. he's honing in on the inside guys while the outside guys are maybe working with the, the defensive line. So, I, I mean, just in a shout out to Omar Spates because he's not credited there, but he actually almost had a full sack. Mm-hmm. Um, great play by Ward to kind of escape it. And Rawls got credited with the actual bringing him down. Yeah. Uh, it, just great Lolo stuff. Hea. Sorry, I don't know. Yeah. Just great stuff from the Oregon yeah. State defense, all three levels. Best defensive performance you have seen since dot 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 question mark. Since USC. Oh, since two weeks ago. Oh, oh, you're talking like in general. Okay. Um God, Well, okay. No, that's that's a that's a fair question. Did you think Oregon State played better defensively against USC or Washington State? Well, given the this is a tough one because I think the offense at USC is like better than Washington, State's better than offense. Washington state. So that's fair. I actually think I like, I thought they played better against USC, All right. but these, those two, the USC and Washington state, I it's the best defense I've seen in an Oregon state team play probably since 2012. Okay. So yeah, that's where I was trying yeah, to that's get where you're us going. to. Sorry. That's where I was you trying know to get I have us to. to like, like, yeah. By and large, Oregon State is playing the best defense this season. Yes, that it has played in probably a decade. decade. And absolutely, like, you like and I saw percent. a lot of that in camp. Yeah, but I think we still were a little skeptical of how it might show up on game yeah. day. Like, okay, we know they're going to be better, but like, how much? Well, a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Connor Johnson, I want to address this because you say I have to disagree. Still, a lot of le- left on the table for our D line. I agree. And you, you know, I mean, I have been super critical of this D line and a lot of that's not going to be changed until recruiting gets better, but what they're doing and how they're performing compared to where they have been for by and large, the same group of guys is like a thousand percent better. Yeah. There were a couple of plays where I'm like, all right, so is anybody ever going to get to Cam Ward? Yeah, exactly. Like, is he, he going to stand back there three. for a minute before yeah. he throws the ball? They they were only rushing three most of the time. But for every play where I was like, okay, like where is everyone? There were three or four where I was like, man, like Cam Ward is just <laughs> under duress right now. Like everybody's on him. Um, yeah. Just all around us. Such a good, such a good win for Oregon State. Not like program defining by any means, but 
it just feels like, man, they got that last monkey off their back. Like this team can, will beat anybody um, on any given day, especially if it's at home. It, it just feels like a big win, big win for Oregon State. Now sitting at, at five and uh, five and two through seven weeks, going into a game that you feel like it shouldn't be close against Colorado, and then you get your bye week. Like this team's reloading, recharging, and and getting ready for the stretch run. And it feels like a team that's that's about to win eight or nine games. Yeah, or ten, like I predicted. Or ten. <laughs> it, hey, it's still mathematically possible. <laughs> still mathematically possible. Pac-12 championship still mathematically possible that, that's um, a little bit of a long shot but, but we're, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves yes there. yes and on that note we'll leave you with a little bit of optimism on on this episode here we're going to be back on thursday to preview oregon state's game against colorado the last one before oregon state takes a week off in quotes you know it's it's a bye week they're still doing stuff um this will be our our last week of of regularly scheduled content until november Actually, we're we're getting we're getting down there. This this season is moving along, um, but in, in, until then, yeah, we'll we'll have our our normal game week stuff. Well, while Oregon State prepares for the Buffaloes, um, you can follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado One. You can follow me at Carter Baines. We'll be back on Thursday for another episode of the Damn Podcast. Mm-hmm.